This morning, we're beginning a new message series where we're exploring the power of the transformation of the Holy Spirit among God's people. And to do that, we're going to dive into the book about the indwelling and the growth of the Holy Spirit in the world, and that's the book of Acts. I want to encourage you to turn into um, your Bibles in Acts 2. We're going to begin um, by reading the first 13 verses to Acts chapter 2. And of course, um, it's because this Sunday in the church calendar, <coughs> excuse me, is Pentecost Sunday. Um, could I get some water from somebody? If somebody can chase down a water bottle for me, that'd be wonderful. Um, that there is a pouring out of the Holy Spirit that happens in Acts 2 that changes everything. And suddenly from that day forward, everything is different. And to sort of think about that and get our minds in that place, I would like for us to think um, for just a second about um, that moment when you got your first cell phone. Everyone in the room have a cell phone. Maddie, do you even have a cell phone? Not yet. Okay, that day is coming. Everyone else has a cell phone. And I remember when I got my first cell phone, and that uh, happened, I want to say it was in about the year 1998 or 99. Um, I was in the Central Valley of California, and it became clear that if I was going to be able to function um, with some of the things that I needed to do in ministry, that I would have to get myself a cell phone. And um, so I went to the store, I'd never done this before, and some of you remember this experience for yourself. You go to the store and you're starting to figure out, okay, what do I need and how much is it going to cost and all that other sort of stuff. Thankfully, at that time, choices were really pretty limited. The question was, at least for me when I got in the cell phone store, what kind of Nokia was I going to get? Because that was really all that there was at the time that was available, at least in the context I was in. What Nokia, and if you remember, the Nokias were about this big. And I got mine in black, and I got my, my, cool, my cool thing, my coolness factor on this was that I got a little clip that went on the back of it with a matching clip that was on my waistband here, and I could click my phone in, and then I got really fast at pressing the button and getting my phone out so that I could take a call, and I also learned how to text message fairly quickly. And what I didn't realize on that day when I went into that phone store is that every day after was going to be a little bit different, if not a lot different, because of what happened in that store. From that day forward, I have always had a cell phone. And in fact, and you know this experience, if you lose your cell phone, it's a big deal, right? I mean, all of a sudden, if you can't find your phone, you're probably like me. I'm like, Kristen, call my phone. I can't find it. I got to hear it buzzing or vibrating. Because for some reason, for whatever reason, we get into this mindset where we have to have our phones. And maybe you're not like me. I know there's some of you out there who cell phone, take it or leave it. There's some of you who don't have them. God bless you. You are in probably a place of greater holiness than the rest of us. But it's... it's it's something that when we got it, it changed our lives. And it changed our lives probably, well, we know, in much smaller ways. But what we're talking about here, this day forward, changes everything. And not only does it change everything, it changes everything in life-altering ways, in every way. 
the Spirit comes, and the world is different. That's what we're digging into this morning, and as we dig into that, let's pray for God's blessing on our time. Father, be present with us. Give us your wisdom. Give us ears to hear what it is that you call us to learn today. Lord, as you speak through your promised and present Holy Spirit in our hearts and our minds, may we be transformed. May we have the softness in our hearts and minds to listen to how it is that you call us to be different and made new. To find those places, Lord, where the sharp corners need to be sanded smooth, where the hard edges need to be rounded off. Lord, in our hearts and our minds where we need to be transformed, may we listen well and be transformed well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're going to start this morning by reading verse 1 of Acts chapter 2. It says this there, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place very short verse, but it tells us some things. And, but first of all, let's highlight. When they say they were all together in one place, doesn't that sound glorious? Doesn't that sound like a, a wonderful activity that we all long for? To all be together in one place. To have this room filled with people who can sing the praises of God that we've been led in by the praise team. That can come together and, and hug those who need a hug, to celebrate with those who are celebrating, to come alongside in compassion and love those who are hurting and suffering. It sounds glorious to be able to come together in one place, and it's striking that this is the experience that we're reading about this morning, when it's something that certainly we can't do. But we, we know why they did it. We know why the disciples came together. And that is because really, in essence, since the day of Easter, they had been in stasis. And what stasis simply means is that they were waiting for the next change. That change had been promised by Jesus. And he had said to them in, um, in the Gospels, he had said, wait in Jerusalem for the counselor to come, the comforter to come, the spirit to come. Jesus used a number of different names for the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And so the, the disciples were doing what it was that Jesus had called them to do. They were in obedience. And because they were in obedience, their hearts and their minds and their gathering was fertile ground for what God was going to do here. And I want you to hear this. The idea, and it says, we read this there, and you can mark it in your Bible, they were all together, is not simply a statement of proximity. That they were in the same room. See, these disciples were in a place where they were all together in their waiting. They were all together in their anticipation of what God was going to do next that Jesus had promised to them after his resurrection. They were all together in one spirit. And for us to hear that this morning, regardless of not being all together in one room, that we can be all together in one spirit, anticipating what God will do in us 
through us and around us through the power of the Holy Spirit as it's poured out among us. That's a pretty good altogetherness, despite the fact that we're scattered throughout the England Empire. And I already saw Ruth's on this morning. Hello, Verhoof's in Iowa. We're even in Iowa and in other places. We're all together, united in one spirit. Let's continue the passage, verse 2 through 4. It says this there. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were seating, where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, I want to highlight just verse 2 for a moment. Let's look back at that. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were seating, where, where they were sitting. I did that twice now. Violent wind. What's interesting about the Spirit, and we certainly know that from elsewhere in the text, that when the Spirit shows up, one of the symbols that is used is... Wind. There's another symbol that we know from the beginning of Jesus' ministry. What's that symbol? It's the symbol of a, a dove, right? A flying bird. We hear, have here the symbol of wind. It's not the only place in the text where the Spirit comes through wind. Let's look at the first place where the wind of the Spirit shows up. That means you need to go right to the beginning. Turning your Bibles back to Genesis chapter 1. And I want you to look there in chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. It says this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And in the original Greek, what you're going to get there is the word ruach. Ruah, R-U-A-H, if you're trying to spell it out um, phonetically. R-U-A-H, Ruah. And the Ruah of God is associated with the blowing of wind. So already from Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, we see the Spirit is present. This is a new manifestation of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. But what is, what kind of text is Genesis chapter 1? What do we, what do we call Genesis chapter 1? It is the creation text, is it not? Well, if the Spirit has shown up in the creation text of Genesis 1, can we make that association with Acts chapter 2, where the Spirit shows up in a new way? Acts chapter 2 is a passage of creation. Something new is being made here. Something is showing up here in the text of Acts chapter 2 that has never been seen before in the same way that in Genesis 1, from out of nothing, ex nihilo, God created something, his creation. In the same way in Acts chapter 2, out of nothing, God creates something new. The Holy Spirit dwelling among his people. And so the disciples are a part of a new creation. You notice 
what's affected first by this new thing that comes, right? What's affected first? What changes first for the disciples when the Spirit comes? What's different? Anyone? Their speech, right? As soon as the Spirit comes, what does it say in verse 3 or verse 4? All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and what? Began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The first manifestation of the Holy Spirit among God's people is that how they interact with the world around them in their words is new. For us to hear that, for us to be challenged by that, and for us even to ask the question, how are our words changed by the Holy Spirit? How is it that we're allowing ourselves to be equipped to be as the Spirit leads in what our speech looks like? And I don't know that there is a a better lesson for us as Christians to learn right now. Because for those of you on Facebook Live, if you were to get out of this Um, viewing, which I don't want you to do because um, you're watching church and that's a good thing to do, but if you were to get out of Facebook Live and start scrolling through your Facebook feed, what are you hearing? What are you seeing? You're seeing all these different words. And how many of them are spirit-led? And how many of them come from Christians and followers of Jesus who seem to have lost something in their discussion about the things that they see in the world and how they interact with the things of this world? I don't know that there's a more poignant transformation that can come in our world from believers is that we allow our words and our speech to constantly be shaped and formed through the Spirit's leading in our lives. And how we speak and what we post and how we say what we say, we allow it to be Spirit-led and transformed as we interact with our world. And what's our primary means of interacting with the world but love? Love for our brothers and sisters. Love for God first above all things. Living into the greatest commandment with our words. And we see that's what the Spirit does. It changes the interaction that the disciples have with the world around them. And we even see how their words are marked through how the passage continues. What does it say? Verses 5 through 11. Now they were staying in Jerusalem. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews, from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who speak Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Christians and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. These are moments that I'm grateful that I went to seminary and learned how all those words are pronounced. When we look there, 
we see that the words of the disciples being transformed meant that people from literally all over the world, what we might say in biblical language, as every tribe and tongue could hear the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ proclaimed to them. They could hear words of God because the disciples were transformed in their speech. And if you were to go through all those different cultures and areas of the world named, you would see every color, every tribe, every culture of the day, every different, a very diverse group of people. And yet the Spirit of God speaks to all in its diversity and in its power to express love. And what words do we hear them proclaim when they hear the disciples' speech? How are they affected? What is their, what's their response? Two words. Bewilderment and amazement. How can this happen? Where does this come from? This comes from something supernatural that can transform the world. Friends, if you can't hear this from anywhere else, I don't think there's any hope for any of these big things in our world. How we navigate the conversation about how we respond to COVID-19, how we do that in some of our diversity, there's no way that we do that except if we are not bewildered and amazed by the way we talk in the spirit one to another. We're not going to get the wisdom that we need without the spirit. When we think about the racial tensions in downtown Los Angeles, Minneapolis, Chicago, Grand Rapids, pick your spot. There's no way for us to have some sense of peace and wholeness without the world being bewildered and amazed by the power of God's presence and his spirit coming through the speech of love, care, compassion that is carried by believers. We have something as followers of Jesus in a post-Pentecost world that no one else has, and that is when we speak, as we are led by the Spirit, we carry the Spirit of the Creator of the universe into whatever it is that we're doing. And I don't know how many times I've heard when we think of all the big issues before us, I don't know what to do. I'm overwhelmed. How do we fix this? Friends, we don't. Spirit does. And the Spirit equips us through the power of Pentecost to speak words that bewilder and amaze with their wisdom. That bewilder and amaze with compassion and with love and with calls towards understanding. And with calls towards confronting injustice. Calls for, for the world to be transformed and people who are in positions of power to do things differently. Because we are people who can speak as we're led. With the words of the creator of the universe. Because we've been made a new thing. A new creation has come with those who live into the Spirit, if we're willing to follow the Spirit. But then we get the challenge. 
And the challenge is, it's, all, it's not always going to go the way that we plan. Look as the passage closes. It says these words, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. There's two responses. And friends, as followers of Jesus, as we speak, as we're led, this, the, the love and the hope and the grace of Christ into our world, you and I are going to come up against many different responses, but in some ways they can be, be focused down and narrowed down to one of two things. Either that's challenging me to wonder about who I am before God, that might be how a person responds, or... You're nuts. You're crazy. I want nothing to do with that. As far as I'm concerned, you're, you're speaking like you're drunk. Who would in their right mind believe in a God who would allow this stuff in the world to happen? That's the response that the world is going to give. And that's promised. This is the first manifestation of the Holy Spirit through the disciples in the known world, and this is their initial response, and from that day forward, nothing has changed. The world still responds in one of those two ways. But here's our option. Our option is to not speak with the words of the Spirit and see nothing change. Because nothing will change without the Spirit's presence and transformation. Or to speak words of the Spirit and have some expectation that God fulfills His promises and He will, in fulfilling His promises, change the world that we know we have no power to change by ourselves. Which do we choose? We can choose to do nothing or we can choose to speak in the Spirit. Choosing the Spirit. And when we choose the Spirit, and when we speak in the Spirit, the conversation changes. And here's the other side of it, and I'm going to just remind you of this, because Proverbs reminded us of this over and over again. Sometimes the best way to speak is to shut up. To listen. And oftentimes, friends, when we navigate whatever things we're walking through with people that we want to show and share Jesus with, sometimes the best thing that we can do is simply listen. Listen to their heart. Listen to what it is that's going on. Listen to what it is that they're walking through, the joys of life, the challenges of life, the sufferings of life. So that when you speak... Spirit has had the opportunity to need you in your response and to show you this is where you can touch their heart with my work. If we listen well and then when we speak patiently, speaking well in the Spirit, we may get a, what does this mean? If you ever hear a, what does this mean? Jump in, friends. That means God's at work in there. God's doing something. God's transforming. If you hear, have you been drinking? Maybe it's time to step away and allow God to do some more trans transformation in the life, in the heart, and the mind of that person. But, 
no matter what. If we're going to be spirit-filled followers of Jesus, we need to be a part of that work, because otherwise nothing can change. If you've ever said, I don't know how to change this, the only thing that you and I can do is then live into the Spirit leading us. This past week, I had um, my, or sorry, not this past week, week before, I had my um, board meetings with um, Calvin Seminary, an organization that I um, meet with three times a year. I'm a board member, board of trustees for Calvin Seminary, and um, we did it like everyone's doing it right now. We did Zoom meetings. I have Zoom burn. It's my new phrase that means I'm on so many Zoom meetings that I have coloring on my face from being in front of the television or the, the computer screens. So long. I got Zoom burn. Um, I was on a meeting for six hours. Actually, it was a total of 10 hours between two days um, with my board of trustees meeting. I'm almost Zoomed out. Um, here's the thing. At our spring meeting, which this was our spring meeting, every year we say goodbye to those who are done with their terms. Your term always ends if you are at the end of your six-year or three-year, six-year, or nine-year term. It always ends in the spring. And this past um, week, the chairman of our board of trustees um, retired. His six years were done. His name is Kurt. And Kurt, um, really in essence, chaired his last meeting for our board. And I've gotten to know Kurt over the last five years that we've been working on this board together. And he and I, uh, he came in one year before I did, but um, we did some work together on some teams and some committees. We sat next to each other in a couple activities. We got to know each other well. He's a pastor in Michigan. And um, here's Here's sort of how this works when you retire. When you retire, the board members who are still remaining get an opportunity to say thank you to you and tell you what they've learned from you, or at least say words of gratitude. And for whatever reason, because this was a Zoom meeting and nobody else was doing it, Kurt just sort of ended the meeting and then asked somebody to pray. And I can't tolerate that. Like, that's just not how I work. If we're going to have an opportunity to say gratitude to somebody, we need to take that opportunity. So I said, wait, 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 wait. Kurt needs to hear something from us about our gratitude for what he's done for this team. And here's why Kurt needed to hear gratitude. Because I don't know a person that I've ever met in my life who speaks more wisdom than Kurt. I am a person who speaks too quickly and too much. And when I come in contact with a person who speaks wisely and just the right amount, I want to highlight it. And when we would be in the middle of a discussion and Kurt would say, okay, the room would shut down. And all of us would listen. And here's what I can tell you, because I've been through with this board over the last five years a number of different difficult and contentious and challenging conversations. When Kurt would speak, the Spirit would lead. Because he would listen well. And when he spoke his words, he would capture what it is that the Lord was leading well. And I'm going to be honest, when in this meeting I told Kurt of my gratitude for what he has done, I had tears in my eyes. Because when you come in contact with the Holy Spirit working through somebody, it's powerful. 
And for us to be those sorts of people, that when we're involved in a conversation and we're led by the Spirit and allow God to speak to us when we've listened well, change happens. Transformation comes. And friends, that's really one of our, that's our primary contact with the world, isn't it? How we say, what we speak, what it is that we, comes out of our mouth, and for that to be shaped and formed by the Spirit. It's the perfect introduction to the Holy Spirit in the world. It opens the gospel up to people who've never heard the gospel before, and says to all, no matter tribe, tongue, culture, color, or background, you are welcome to be receivers of the gospel. And when the disciples speak well, the body of Christ grows. Friends, in a difficult time in our country, in a difficult time in whatever world we're living in, for us to be people who listen well to the Holy Spirit, and when the Spirit wants to speak to us, through us, we speak well. And then we trust that the impossible things that we don't think can change, then maybe, just maybe, the Spirit will use us to be a part of His transformation. Let's pray. Father, equip us and empower us through Your Spirit to speak well into a world that is listening. And we can speak in such a way, Lord, that people ask better questions, that they are confronted with truth that perhaps they've never heard before, and in their being confronted, they are bewildered and amazed, not by our eloquence, but by what you bring to the conversation. Equip us to listen well, to be patient on you as you speak through us. And when you, Lord, you call us to speak, that we speak in boldness and in great courage, in obedience to you, trusting that you will bring what that conversation needs. Lord, that's only your work. We can't do it. We need you. Come and do it today. In Christ we pray. Amen.